The following video is an interview with Gwen Montgomery, known online as Schmoople OW. She's recently come out as a transgender woman and went viral with that announcement on Twitter, prompting her to take some time off of university and dive headfirst into the full-time Twitch streamer lifestyle. She's candid in her approach, not afraid to tackle these hard questions, and has become a beacon of positivity for the LGBTQ community across Twitch. Today, I'm excited to get to know her a little better and understand her journey to getting to where she is today. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to subscribe here on YouTube, find us on iTunes and Spotify, as well as everywhere else you'd expect to find a podcast. Hello there, friends, and welcome back to Zyori Plus One. We've got a fun one today. We've got Gwen Montgomery, known as Schmoople OW on Twitter, Twitch, and everywhere else that you would find her. She's an Overwatch player, a big-time gamer, a streamer on Twitch, and we're going to talk a lot about her, get to know her a little bit, and talk about the gamer lifestyle. This is someone that I've never met before. We've only exchanged a couple of Twitter DMs to arrange this interview, so you guys are getting to see it raw as it unfolds right here. Gwen, thank you so much for making some time for the show. Glad to have you here. How the hell are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited. Yeah, glad to hear it. Uh, we'll see where, where the conversation takes us. And I've joked before that it always seems like the pre-show is really natural, and then we, quote, start the show, and then everyone gets really like, tight. Oh God. <laughs> oh, God, it's starting. The camera's <laughs> oh, on. No. Uh, and it happens every single episode, so hopefully we can work out of it pretty quickly. Um, okay. But I want to talk about Overwatch first, because it made a yeah. lot of headlines. I feel like since Overwatch has been over on YouTube, I don't really know what the hell's going on with that game. So how is it? Yeah. How, how's the Overwatch space right now? It's it's doing okay. I've I've been playing a lot of Valorant too, so I'm kind of starting to branch off from Overwatch oh, mainly. Okay. So it's just you know I've played it since it came out, so I'm I'm always looking to like explore and I'm kind of I feel like I've kind of peaked in that game. Like if it's the only thing I ever played, I might I might see like marginal improvements, but like if I play Valorant, I I can actually see myself get better over time. So it's like refreshing. Like ah. I haven't had that in a long time in a okay. game. How but, I, I actually don't know the Overwatch ranks, but how what, what's your peak? Are you like pro level? Um, or are you like immortal level? So I was never like on a pro team. I'm just like a ladder player. But um, I was 4200. SR goes from zero to five thousand, and that's a grandmaster and like occasional top five hundred player, depending on mm -hmm. when it is in the season. Okay. So I kind of dip in and out of top five hundred and GM. I rest like high masters. And what, what do you day. what do you main? I'm a I'm a tank player, so ah, I just play. Okay. I don't, I don't really say I have like a main anymore, just because you kind of have to fill whatever character needs to be played at that rank. So I just play off my other tank, and I'll play I'll play whoever. Yeah, it's been God so long since I played Overwatch. I can't. How many years has the game been out? Um, almost five. It came out in five years. Yeah, I think like July, June or July 2016. I feel yeah, it's old right now. It's probably been three years at least since I've played a match of Overwatch. Wow. Lucky uh, you. I mean, is well, I hear people say that, but I don't really know how to calibrate it because Overwatch was always one of these weird, I don't want to call it an enigma, but you have this really strong Blizzard ecosystem that is not into FPS at all. Then all of a sudden, all these Blizzard fans have access to uh, an FPS game that has a bunch of other mechanics to it. And I think that definitely led to some frustration uh, in like public matchmaking and just the general community. It was like a non-FPS community playing an FPS game, which led right. to interesting results. I mean, worlds collide, I guess. Yeah. They, and I don't know. It, 
they just kind of prove that they don't know how to balance things very frequently and Blizzard? they'll just add they'll just add like stupid characters like like Brig and Doom and Sombra and they're just like anti fun to play against depending on the patch any one of them can be overpowered at any time and it like they'll add characters to break up a meta like dive was meta and then they added Brig just to squash the entire meta and her like reign on the game has been eternal since like she's such an oppressive character and they've reworked her two or three times at this point wow that, they, they've already worked her tw reworked her twice that's, yeah <laughs> that's not a good sign <laughs> a character hasn't been out that long um yeah. yeah i i think we knew that blizzard was struggling substantially when it came to balance and design when their master plan to try to balance the competitive scene was, let's just rotate which characters get auto-banned, right? Wasn't that part of the competitive yeah. scene for a while? That they did that for a couple months. Um, it would it would just be seemingly random. I don't... Because there was one week they banned every hit-scan character. So any character <laughs> that just shoots a gun with bullets that come out, you couldn't play. You couldn't play Widow, Soldier, McCree, or like Baptiste. You couldn't play one of the supports either. Yeah, and uh. like that was a really fun week, honestly. Like, but it wasn't healthy for the game. Well, yeah, sometimes you know? fun and like what is best for the competitive integrity <laughs> of our esport are are not one and the same. Like I've heard people say, one of the reasons that Dota and Counter Strike and League of Legends make really good esports because the games are really fucking hard. They're actually not right. that appealing to like your average gamer that enjoys slightly more casual stuff. You know, a lot of single player games have a pretty clear path that your character follows. You don't have to think that much. These really hyper competitive games are they're not fun games. What makes them fun is that they're hyper-competitive and they resonate right. with us hyper-competitive bozos that really enjoy the stress of fighting for MMR, you know? But that's not, right. that's not normal, in air quotes. We're, we're, like, way to the one side of the bell curve in terms of our extremity with these, like, super punishing games. Right. Sometimes, you know, I just... I want it to be that game that, like, everybody's there to win, but some people just decide, like, the game is already won depending on who's on the other team like, oh yeah you know there's not a lot of tank players so i'll i'll be 3900 and i'll i'll queue with like i'll get in a game with the number two tank in the country <laughs> and it's just because there's no other tanks online and they stuck me in that game oh, and people man. are like ah gg like it's over and i'm like i'm not that bad but like let's just have a little faith like <laughs> So that, I mean, that must speak, though, to the, the current size of the player base if, if ranked matchmaking is that barren right now. I mean, that can't be good. Yeah, it's, it's been that way since um, almost, almost two years ago, maybe a little over a year ago. They, they had it so there's roll locks, so there's three rolls in the game, and mm. you can only play two of each roll now. But because before then, there was like, there's this meta where nobody would play damage heroes. They would just play three tanks and three supports. It was called goats, <laughs> and you would just like smash into each other and every fight ended up the same way you use the same awful <laughs> use the same ultimates to counter certain ultimates and <laughs> it it was just luck like it felt like luck sometimes just winning some of those fights yeah flipping coins can be fun sometimes but not what you yeah. want for your every day um right dota's solution to that i always thought was pretty interesting like they have a, a roll queue system so we have you know support carry mid lane off lane and most people don't want to play support relative to how much they want to play like carry or one of the farming roles right. 
So you get roll cues if you queue up for both carry rolls, and you spend roll cues if you queue up for a a core roll and you're a wash if you like queue up for everything. So there's a chance you get core chance you get support. And mm -hmm. it is, uh, it's not perfect, right? It's a little frustrating because you get these players that are forced to play support sometimes and they clearly don't want to be playing support and they'll buy damage items instead of support items. And that yeah. makes games hard. But ultimately I, I think it's a pretty, it's like a little credit system. That's, that's really not that bad relative to the history of Dota where games are ruined because people are just fighting over who gets to go mid. So right. it's, I don't know if there's a perfect system, but I, I do like having some sort of a ticket or credit system seems to be pretty good in my anecdotal experience. They did, they did kind of add, add that recently. They called it flex queue. So you just queue as everything available. Mm. It typically turns out just to be tank or support queue. <laughs> like, you know, I've never, ever gotten a damaged game out of that. But, but what you get if you win or lose the game, you get they're called priority passes. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like a golden ticket to have a faster queue on a better roll. Better roll. Uh, but like okay. you could play instead of a nine minute DPS queue, it could be like four minutes. Oh, but, it's like a Disney fast pass. You just get yeah, to jump it's like in a front fast of the line. Pass. <laughs> Except when you use one and the queue takes longer than it said and it just gives it back to you. So that happens sometimes. And it's like. Maybe you should have thought this one through. <laughs> Any hopes of Overwatch 2 um, sparking some life back into the game? I hope so. I I'm I always say I'm cautiously optimistic for that game because <laughs> I think they're they're so worried about making tank a fun and interesting role to play. And like I already like it. You don't have to convince me otherwise. But <laughs> they just I don't know. They're trying to make them super tough and like fun to play and. I'm worried that they're going to make them overpowered and they're already really strong, but like the casual player base just sees them as like a shield bot. Yeah. And like, they, they don't really know the true potential of like playing tank. And I'm afraid they're just going to make them so overpowered for the sake of getting more people to play. And that could be super unhealthy for the game. I mean, but I think, I'm looking yeah. forward to it regardless. What you're describing is the fundamental challenge for most esports. How do we calibrate the game around the 0.001% that are playing at the most competitive level that everybody's watching and that really we we care about disproportionately, but knowing that like 99% of the player base is way far away from that and they can't do the same things with these heroes that make them so broken on the high level. Uh, like Wraith mm -hmm. King is a character in Dota that's notorious for that, where he, he summons these skeletons that you can't control and they just fight for you. And if you could control the skeletons, the hero would be really broken in the pro scene. Right. But right. that's like a way that they balanced it to prevent pros from abusing the mechanics. But then when you look down at like the really, really low levels, the hero's fucking busted because you just hit the button and the skeletons do the work for you. You don't have to think about it. It's, a, it's, right. it's such a, a an extreme gap between the, the two poles of the player base that finding that perfect balance in between where it's fun for the noobs, but still complex enough for the competitors to really have that deep level of strategy. I mean, that's that's where the real art comes in of managing an eSport. And I think that's where we right. see Valve in a lot of ways outclass, uh, you know, folks like Blizzard in terms of their their prowess in the actual game balance and design. But maybe I'm biased. Yeah. I, I'm a bit of a that's... Valve fanboy, I admit. <laughs> I've, I, so I followed like, I was on a Call of Duty team and like I followed that scene for the longest in esports. And it seems like the developers always try to push the casual play. Like they just want people to have fun in public matches and they'll balance the game around that. And the competitive scene just follows along because they have to. And that's the patch. And they'll release patches days before an event 
and just a new gun is meta. Yeah. And it's insane. Just like different different teams will win events because they'll use the newer gun or the better gun on a different patch. Yeah. And it's it's mo- like money is on the line at that point. And you know, it was on console up until this year. They can't just like play on an old patch or whatever. Right. Yeah. So it it's it's tough. I, I, I get like you want more people to play your game. I get that. But I personally like I'm a competitive player. I think competitive play is more fun than just yeah. like hit or miss lobbies with random teammates. But no, maybe I'm in the minority. No, know? I I think we are probably in the minority relative to the player base at large. And there's right. definitely a balance there. I, I agree with you. It's like they we don't have the game without the players, so we can't just ignore the player base and only cater to the pros. But yeah. it, it can't be too extreme the other way. I, I think the the moment I really became biased against Blizzard esports, uh, but there were two moments: Heroes of the Dorm, that was the Heroes of the Storm inaugural league that was exclusive to ESPN only for USA viewers, where they gave like four hundred thousand dollars away in sponsorships because they really wanted Heroes of the Storm to be the next big <laughs> collegiate esport. So many angles oh missing the mark on that one. Right. I don't even really know where to start. Um, but it, really, fundamentally, it was with Hearthstone when they kept adding more RNG mechanics after the game kind of went viral with its launch and there was this big organic competitive scene and they just kept making it more random. They kept adding more yogg Saron type mechanics and when they asked the devs about it, they said, well, random's fun. Fans love to see random oh, things happen. Random. It's cool when pros punch themselves in the face by accident because of game mechanics. And if they lose a tournament, that. they can always just play in the next one. It's like that is the most anti-competitive philosophy I think I've ever heard from a game developer. I mean, t- that's just, yeah. you're, you're like sandbagging the competitive scene of your game. And the reason, I think, is because Blizzard didn't want Hearthstone to be their flagship competitive game. They made Hearthstone as this little side project mobile thing that they thought only a few people would care about. And they wanted their premier esports of Overwatch and Heroes of the Storm to, to take, the, take on the torch that they started with StarCraft II. But... In classic Blizzard history, you know, they had Diablo 2, had no idea what made the game good, so they just destroyed all the mechanics that made it good and ruined it with Diablo 3. Um, pretty much the, the same thing here in this scenario with Hearthstone. Oh, we accidentally made something good? Well, we'll just strip all that shit out and add all the mechanics that people don't like. That'll make it better. It, it blows my mind sometimes, it, you know. Uh. Yeah, it, it certainly blows my mind when developers don't just admit they're wrong or that things could be different. Like there's there's certain games with like really passionate scenes like smash and i don't know a lot about smash <laughs> but like N- nintendo seems to be going out of their way to make it yeah. make their life shitty and just like sending cease and desist and like shutting down tournaments for people who just want to play and promote your game seems fucking ludicrous to me like yeah. that makes no sense nintendo they are really an anomaly and i i think right. a, a lot of nintendo's is actually cultural because uh, they're you know a japanese company uh, they do business a little bit different in japan and i think a lot of it comes down to this this honor principle of people stealing your stuff and because there's none of this like built-in online smash stuff they have slippy and all these third-party apps that let people play online Nintendo sees that as, hey, you just took our shit, you hacked it, you changed it, and you released it, and we don't really care if you're monetizing it or what you're doing with it or if it's for the good of the community. On principle, that does not stand. So I, right. that's my two cents, at least. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I get it, but they, 
how hard would it be to remaster a game and then you kind of get the best of both worlds you know well yeah i mean it would just be free money it's not like the smash community isn't vocal about what they want they know exactly (laughs) what they want and if you could just deliver it they will open the wallet i I mean this whole they just they just want support yeah they just want somebody to care right don't we all (laughs) (laughs) um so how long did you play call of duty for so i played call of duty like all growing up pretty much um i wasn't on a team very long i played like game battles matches and tournaments here and there with like friends and little teams i was on but when i was on an actual team that was in 2019 in the summer um i I wore a i wore a pro players hoodie i wore a crim six hoodie to work (laughs) one day and a co-worker saw it and he was like hey do you like do you watch optic and i was like yeah i watch optic i love optic and he's like oh i'm on a team like do you play He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a main AR. He's like, that's what we're looking for. You should come play with us. Whoa. So that's how we joined my first team. Really lucky. Um, I played with them for a couple months, and uh, our end goal was we we're gonna gonna go to CWL Miami, which was a LAN event. Mm-hmm. Um, probably two months away at that point. So we're practicing every day, and there's just like one issue after another. Just people are getting dropped left and right. One one kid doesn't have permission to go. His mom won't let him go. <laughs> what? We have like a rotating fifth at all times. I didn't want to go because I was like, we're going to play Thad. Like, it's it's not going to go well. And this was a big we, event, right? I mean, this, this was, was like hundreds was, of thousands. Um, Not like hundreds of thousands. Like, and it's, we're going to play in the open bracket. So oh, like, okay. Um, we're, we're like an amateur team. So... And we got we got double first rounded. There's 128 teams, and we placed 128 because we showed up and we didn't even know we were gonna have a fifth person on our team, and oh. we got creamed. Like <laughs> it was awful. The first team we played, we played uh, Team Singularity or something like that. They're a European team. They went on to place like top eight at COD Champs. Like they made it all the way through the open bracket, and the top four teams from that play wow. in COD Champs. And they were beating pro teams. Like, we got destroyed by them. And then the next team, they're like, did you guys lose? And we're like, yeah, pretty bad. And, like, they laughed about it, and we laughed about it. And then they beat the shit out of us, too. <laughs> and I was like, I just want to go home. <laughs> yeah. I, tr- I tried. I Like, I don't know. I put in all this work, and then it just, like, didn't so, pan out. But, I mean, it, in some ways, it's cool that you kind of lucked into this opportunity right. to be able to play competitive. But... Was that like a goal of yours? I mean, yeah, okay. yeah. I, it was always a dream of mine to like be on a team and play. Like, I signed a contract for that team, and I was on for months. I was on for the rest of Black Ops Four, and then the new game dropped, and I left to go play Overwatch for my school. I see. But um, yeah, I always wanted to play an event. I'm grateful that I got to do it. It's just a shame we couldn't at least oh, win a yeah. map. You know, like well, at least that's a good that story, been. though. I mean, getting like 120th, yeah. you get into that forgettable territory. But no, we were literally <laughs> dead last. I mean, that's almost yeah. like a, a feat of strength in some ways. That's uh, right. So, but it, is the dream dead? I, I mean, is is your long term goal to try to join a, a pro team of some sort in one of these games and, and like go pro as a competitor? Or are you pretty happy with the uh, the streamer life right now? I could I could go either way. Like I'm really enjoying streaming just because it's like a super fulfilling opportunity for me. Like I have a, I have a great community and I love talking to everybody there, but also like, I just love competing. Like I, I want to place well in tournaments. I want to win games. And given that opportunity, I think I could also run with it. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm just kind of 
going through all my options and yeah. So are you streaming. still in university as well? Yeah, I'm a I'm a part-time student now. I was full-time. Ah. But um dropped a couple classes cuz I was like the stream's going really well and if if I could do my dream job, then I'll do it. Like this is my opportunity and I don't want to I don't yes. want to fumble it. So you ride know, the momentum. Five, yeah, right. You don't want to just like stop for a couple months. That would be like the worst thing possible. So I'm just streaming really consistently and it's going really well. It seems like I went back and looked at your Twitch and I was surprised at the length of the streams and how often you're streaming. I mean, you're well, right. you, you've got to be at like, what, 30, 40 hours a week of hours live, something like that. Yeah, I go for like five or six hours, five nights a week. There so. you go. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's solid. Um, so how did how did you first get into streaming? You mentioned your community, and I'm really curious about community building because um it's something I neglected for a lot of my career. Uh, like I used to work for Beyond the Summit for a big studio, and they were the ones that kind of got me from amateur caster to beginning my professional career. So in my head, I was like, oh, I've got a studio. My studio champions me for all the gigs that I get. Gigs are how I get paid. I don't need to do no stinking community building. The community knows <laughs> I exist. Five years later, you, know, you don't have that job anymore. You don't have any gigs. You're sort of looking at your Twitter like, Where's my community? Why didn't I put any effort into building this community? All I would have had to do is just make a Discord and put a little bit of effort into it, and it would have slowly built over time. Um, right. How did you build up your community? How, how did you get such a, such a spark so quickly? So um, I've been streaming off and on. I used to stream from my console um, in, like, 2015. I would play Destiny 1 oh. super inconsistently. And it took me from 2015 to 2019 to get 130 followers. And then all of 2020, at the end of the last day of 2020, I got my 300th follower. And this is going really well. Wow. And then two days later, I went viral with the tweet that you saw. I see. And I was getting thousands and thousands of follows across everything. It all happened in like two days. I got wow. 20,000 Twitter followers. I got 4,000 on Twitch. Like it, it, it all happened in the blink of an eye. And that first stream after I started going viral, I hit a hundred viewers for the first time. I had never had more than like 20 in my life. Wow. And there's just all these people. Like I saw you on Twitter. That's super cool. And I'm happy for you. And they're just like flooding me with support. Like, and, and a lot of them stuck around and I still talk to them pretty much every day. That's wild. But, so that, that like yeah. a, a true viral moment, you know, I mean, that word gets thrown right. around, around a lot, but five years of, sub 100 followers and then right. a year of okay we've got a little bit of traction and then it's just like boom i'm yeah. i'm a partner now i've got yeah. <laughs> x amount like i get a paycheck from twitch this month how do you right. how do you process that i mean what was that first stream like were, were you like it, nervous where could you could you talk i feel like i would have been like overcome with emotions to be able to to even do my thing on stream yeah i cried i was like before that i was like i will never cry on stream i just can't see it and i've cried twice on stream since then like i i was so overwhelmed and i felt like i got thrown into a full-time job overnight and i did but like i'm running with it and that was always something i was scared about i was like i don't know how i would manage like a full-time job or like a 40-hour work week or whatever but it's it's not that bad when you like what you do 
Right. Yeah, you know? that's that's what I always try to tell people. It it can it's scary because it can become an excuse where esports is it's not doesn't have the best track record in terms of like ethics around work hours and and stress management and that kind of stuff. But part of why it's hard to manage is because a lot of it is fun. I could work sixty hours a week in esports because really it only feels like thirty hours of work, thirty hours of fun doing the stuff I want to be doing with my friends right. anyway. There are moments where it definitely feels like work, but there's a lot of moments where it's substantially satisfying. It's like soul food kind of mm -hmm. um, compared to a, a nine to five, as, as I would call it. I, I did IT right. support for a little sprint there. Uh, not for me. Um, it paid the bills, but yeah. Oof. yeah. I said so like I was, I was going to school full time and I was like, uh, my major's business analytics. I was like, I'm just gonna get a job somewhere and work on Excel all day, and I'll be content with that. And then this all happened during break. Like I didn't have any class for three weeks while I was streaming. And then I that first week back, I was like, I have no interest in that. I cannot see myself sitting in Excel when there's hundreds of people messaging me, just like, you're such an inspiration to me. Keep doing you. I love seeing you be visible and be you yeah like i i can't sit behind a desk now you know i, I <laughs> that's that sounds awful i have to, i have to keep doing this because yeah. it's so fulfilling and nothing could replace it yeah and i wager if you were sitting at that desk you would spend most of your time thinking about that opportunity cost and the, the viewer bleed and all those people that are you know right. eager and now finding something something else to focus on um mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, this this tweet, 550,000 likes. Yeah. That is a staggering number. That <laughs> that's it, it has uh 31 million impressions. Wow. From pro yeah. gamer to e-girl. Um and that was so that's January 2nd, 2021. Mm -hmm. Um I'm curious about the the preparation around New Year's before making that post. Was was there like a a specific catalyst around that timing or, or that specific tone or was it just this is so, me like, now and it's time that's that's not like atypical content for my twitter like i just like i post a lot of before and afters just because stuff like that helped me a lot growing up just like seeing that change was possible mm -hmm. and that you could transition and stuff like that so i just like to give back and like share old pictures of me because it really helps people like I just I hear from people a lot and it helps them so I just do it and I didn't expect anything different from that one you know wow. like yeah I was like wow a thousand likes like that's crazy I see so and you had been doing that going already and then that right. was just the, the first one that really caught that, fire. that one picked up because like big content creators started liking it like Slasher retweeted it Hassan liked it oh Pokemane wow. liked it just oh, like see big big content creator started sh i was trending under gaming my brother was like do you know you're trending on twitter right now <laughs> and i was like what man that's yeah. so amazing to hear though because we we so often hear about like the dark side of the internet and the dark side of social media like things going viral for the the wrong way i mean i experienced that myself i don't know if you know anything about my history but I had a, an awkward, uh, what's called sniff sniff moment where I accidentally left my stream on with the webcam and walked on camera without pants on and oh, no. did a little scratch and sniff. Uh, very embarrassing. Uh, oh, no. That was like six years ago. So long time ago. I, I've, I've written about it a lot. And similar to what you've described, like, it was a big cyberbullying event for me. And it, was, it led to this really big depression. Right. 
all of my work got canceled. I mean, it really went viral to what you're talking about, but in a bad way of like the right. day after it happened, everybody streaming Heroes of New Earth was just watching the clip on their stream, pointing and laughing. You know, it's oh no, that's the dark side of it. But it's right. awesome to hear that sometimes this amazing social media machine can be used for for good, right? Like that same algorithm can spread a message of positivity instead of one of right. negativity. That's that's fucking awesome. And you know, like it was great. The support greatly like overrided anything else but it that didn't come without like it's death threats you know like sure, yeah my dms are open people just <laughs> call me whatever slur they want or like you should die and stuff like that and it's like all right but if there's a hundred messages saying like oh my god you're so cute it's whatever you know yeah. well i'm glad to hear you say that because it is i i always tell people it's like a muscle being uh, like a public facing person or an influencer and being able to tune out some of that negativity and it's it's mm -hmm. a really hard dialogue because it sounds like you're excusing the toxic people and it's not that I'm excusing that behavior. It's just recognizing the reality that they are always going to exist. And if you want to put stuff out there, they're always going to engage with you and you have to find a way to not let it break you down the way it can so easily. Right. You got to build up that yeah. resilience. It's you know, like it gets to me sometimes, but like, you know, if, if people come in chat and say something, my mods just like delete it instantly or yeah. if or if they don't, then I'm like passive aggressive with the person and like kind of like give them a taste of their own medicine. I don't say anything overtly rude, but like I make you feel stupid for saying stuff about me. Yeah. And, th and then they leave or get banned and it's whatever. Life goes on. Yeah. But they can go be miserable somewhere else. <laughs> uh, just let me play my silly little video games and you go do you, I guess, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, our situations are, are a, a bit different. Um, right. You know, I'm I'm a I would call myself a crossdresser, not necessarily mm -hmm. transgender. I don't, I think there's a point where really hyper defining terms gets a little uh, diminishing returns. It's we're all just people. Let do whatever you like and feel good. And let's right. be happy and play games. I don't I don't really care what the label is as long as you just kind of treat me with respect. But one thing I've noticed that I've struggled to deal with are my fans aggressively defending me on my behalf. You know, if I'm on a third party broadcast and I show up on camera and somebody, you know, what I would call a, a genuine question, you know, I've spent six, seven years working in a, a forward facing, you know, camera behind the camera or in front of the camera role. I think it's natural for there to be a period of time where people have that. Wait, what? Whoa, right. whoa. Hold on. When, whoa. Are you, you got boobs now? You know, like <laughs> I'm not offended by that because I think that's a natural reaction. If you've seen me for half a decade looking one way and then overnight there's this hard shift. But I've noticed right. there's a an aggressive tendency in some of my fans to just immediately go, why the fuck do you care? What is like? It's just like, whoa. All right. Let's they, they didn't say anything offensive yet. Let's assume mm -hmm. that maybe there's a little language barrier. Maybe they don't know what the the most polite way to ask their question Let's let's give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt to your average Twitch chatter. And I've talked to a lot of people that go, well, good on you, but that's a fucking waste of time, mate. Just ban them and move <laughs> on with your life. I'm curious how you feel about it. Do you feel like there's any attempt at, like, is there any credence to education's a sort of bougie word, but just trying to engage in dialogue with people that might not be sensitive about it, but at the same time are in that that middle ground where they're not trying to be jerks, but they're also sort of framing questions in a way that is a little icky um yeah that so like interactions like that they don't really happen like publicly for me like mm. people will message me and be like hey i really like wearing girls clothes am i trans and they like want me to answer that question and you know even if 
they don't say terms that like I I personally feel comfortable with. I give them the benefit of the doubt if there's like a language barrier or they're just not informed and I try to help them. But there's also people that you just can't change their mind. Yeah. Like somebody was somebody on Twitter the other day was like, are your tits real or are those implants? <laughs> or or no, they said, is your bra stuffed or are those implants? And I was like, neither. Like <laughs> they're real. Uh, I don't know what you want. And then somebody went to defend me that I don't think I know, but they they were saying that I was a teenager and I'm not a teenager. I'm 22. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't mind people defending me, but it, it's kind of tough. It's, it's, it's a really hard thing to have a rule on because like, yeah, I appreciate people sticking up for me, but at the same time, you don't need to like get in arguments because the more you get in arguments, especially on Twitter, I get a notification anytime either <laughs> one of you replies to me. So like, I don't want to see it all day. Yeah, no argues somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, I often assume that generally people are lashing out on my behalf because it's an emotional respite. There, there's probably, I'm assuming that there's a little bit of projection there that they feel they've probably been verbally assaulted at some point in their lives. It, it sucked for them. They feel like it sucks for me. So they're trying to do the right thing by, by shutting down the toxicity. I definitely believe the intentions are in the right place. It's coming from a good spot. It's just in the moment. Sometimes I see that like, oh, that poor guy didn't deserve to be timed out from chat. I think he was really just confused. I think he yeah. was really just... Now he's even more confused. Have we made I... the problem any better by timing him out? Our, our um, method is usually like, if they say something bad, we'll ban them and then they'll talk to a mod and try to work it out. But typically it's just like they were being shitty and we caught it early and they proved that they were going to be shitty further yeah. by talking to a mod and then they stay banned. But yeah. um, there's a time where, you know, I, I give someone the benefit of the doubt. They're like confused about me or whatever, or they're like, I think I might be trans and I'm like talking to them in chat and they're like trying to like, trying to bait me i guess they're they were like but yeah. i want to be a cat like is it cool if i'm a cat or identify as a cat and i was like you can do whatever you want like it doesn't <laughs> affect me and whatever makes you comfortable you go do it just don't hurt and anybody like, else and i'm pretty cool man That's and then <laughs> they like called me a man and like giggled and left and it was like well <laughs> i just got burned i guess but yeah i don't know i i wasn't i didn't do anything hurtful or anything like that. I gave them the benefit of the doubt and they were just trying to troll me and lead me on. Yeah. So that's, that's why I'm cautious. It's, it's kind of hard to do that for everybody because you will get burnt out doing it that way. Exactly. There, there's a balance there for sure. We, right. we added a rule in my, the Zyori discord about like good faith conversations where we actually had to, to be, remove some, give somebody a formal warning by removing them of like, you can't just come into a discussion that other people are having and just try to stir the fire a little bit and then fuck off. Like you have to, if you have a hot take, that's okay, but it has to be in good faith and you have to be able to discuss it in a way that it's contributing to a conversation. Just This is like a selfish act to come in and derail other people's conversations. Just be like, aha, what about this? And then like not really explain or engage. So we've, we've yeah. had to tweak our rules as well. Just, it, it almost feels like respect when you're dealing with a, you know, a public chat room like that. It's, um, yeah, I, don't I, don't, I don't know if this is just a me thing but i've always noticed that trolls typically come in two like it's <laughs> i i it's always brand new accounts that i've never seen before they might just be sitting in a discord or whatever and joking about it but like 
they just both pop up at the same time and both say something shitty and it's like doo, doo, and they're gone yeah but there's never only one which is weird hmm that's interesting I, it, it's got to yeah. be i mean you have to, if you think about the like the quote logical flow of a troll it's got to be weird to be that one guy going into a stream of whatever hundreds of viewers obviously you have a bunch of fans be like this person sucks like okay yeah. well <laughs> we all disagree so can you fuck off now <laughs> But it makes more sense psychologically if it's two people. We're like, hey, look at all these idiots over here. We're on team biology. Let's go Let's just, teach yeah. these idiots a lesson. You Let's know? just and, make each other laugh and then leave. Yeah, and then it becomes like this, I hate to say the word camaraderie, but it is like a shitty form of camaraderie. It's like that right. it goes back to this tribalistic teams. People, everybody wants to be on a team. You know, I'm right, you're wrong. Um, yeah, people yeah. Uh, sometimes are just like, why is her voice so deep? And then it's like, I, I like I troll them back. I'm like, my voice isn't deep. Like nobody else thinks my voice is deep. Why? <laughs> Maybe your speakers are messed up. Like, I don't know what's going on there. You might want to figure that out. And they're like, that's pretty good. But what? I uh, and nobody agrees with them. Uh, and then, yeah. And they just leave. I noticed. Um, so like when I, I'm trying to think of the dates now. I'm so bad with this stuff. I think I first <laughs> announced that I wanted to start like wearing dresses and cross dressing publicly, like on Twitter in October of last year. And mm -hmm. right after I made that post, I, I worked a gig in like November of last year. And um, looking back, it's like, oh, that fashion was pretty cringe. Those first couple dresses don't look nearly as good as the ones I've got now. But the, the primary insult that I was getting in Twitch chat was HRT, people making fun of me for supposedly doing hormone replacement therapy which was a really weird insult because, A, I don't really see how that's an insult. B, I'm not on HRT. And C, I'm not transgender, so I'm not ever planning on doing HRT. Right. And somehow that insult has, like, I don't really see it anymore. I mean, people mostly just make fun of the way I look now. Just you know, Mostly it's like boob memes and stuff. But I don't see HRT anymore. And I've always wondered, like, what the catalyst was for, like, why that was an insult and now people have moved on maybe it's just because it didn't stick you know like it, insults only yeah. work if you react and it's right. one of those like right. i don't that that doesn't offend or not offend me you're just yelling into the void man <laughs> I yeah i i mean i've never had that use against me but i've had people just be like you'll always be a man and like they're just shouting at the sky because it's like really because nobody else here thinks that and you're just being goofy like yeah if you just if you just don't give them the time of day then right their insults don't stick yeah so that's that's typically how i go about it i just ignore trolls for the most part sometimes i like slam dunking on them Same. posting about it we all laugh it's fun and to then, flex every so often especially yeah some of them are funnier than others some are just straight hateful and others are like hateful almost in a like Oh, that's adorable that you're trying so hard and failing right. so miserably at being toxic. I almost feel bad for you in a really weird way. <laughs> yeah. Somebody somebody told me I should be hung, and then I, I sent them this big, nice, long, wordy, go fuck yourself, pretty much. And then they were like, you should still die. And it's like, all right, all right. You didn't even, you didn't even read it. Like, come on. I tried pretty hard. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're, you're right, though, about some of these next-level trolls. Or I've bumped into a couple of them where I can't, 
always tell if it's a troll or if it's somebody being real. But I suspect some of them are fake troll stories that people will be like, oh, I just came out yesterday, thanks to you. And so like they kind of bait you into being like, congratulations and being positive yeah. about it. And then they spin it with like, yeah, I'm 18 and I'm about to move in with my boyfriend who's 36 and he's paying for all my bills. And it's like, all right, is this real? Or are you like trying yeah. to paint a fucked up scenario and trying to get me to endorse it? So you have a gotcha of, look, this guy endorses, uh, you know, unhealthy relationships and it's like i always try to be positive and then as soon as it gets uh, like remotely fishy i just kind of ignore and then just i figure if it's real they'll stick around and shoot me a dm or something and if it's a troll they'll get bored real quick as soon as i i stop engaging with it but those are a little yeah. bit frustrating because it it does it's very anti-safe space <laughs> to yeah. do that kind of I, shit I, I try to humor people, or maybe not humor is the right word, but I try to be supportive of anybody that says stuff, because I get stuff like that all the time. They're just like, I came out to my mom today. I did this today. I bought makeup today. And I'm like, that's awesome. Good for you. But then there's people who are like, um, hi, sorry. Um, like, I'm using Google Translate. And then they just say a bunch of like mean shit. And it's like, that's not an excuse or a way to get around it. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they, they just use that as an excuse to like say shitty things pretty much. And you got, you got to be careful about yeah. stuff like that. I've noticed. Do you feel like there's a spectrum of toxicity, toxicity across games? Like I, I feel like most people I talk to feel like their esport or their game is the most toxic, which is it's right. just human bias, right? Whatever's in front of you, you know, well, but you've played a number of games. Do you, do you feel like it's pretty average across the board or some communities are, are markedly worse than others? There, I feel like some games are just toxic about different things. Like in Overwatch, you kind of get attacked, like based on how you're playing, or like, like our Winston's feeding, like you suck, you're garbage, whatever. <laughs> but like in Call of Duty, if you got a message after the game, like they're talking about you and your family and like who you are, and they're insulting you like to your core. I've I've noticed. So like maybe just people in Overwatch don't know about each other, but. I don't know. That's what I've noticed. Maybe, maybe hmm. it's just the people who play the games and it's different demographics, but um, I mean, it's hard to compare. It's, it's all anecdotal right. and totally subjective. Uh, and you're, you're probably right. Different communities are probably more supportive of certain things and, and less supportive of others. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, Dota is a, do you, do you play Dota at all? Like, are you familiar at all with the Dota space or is that I'm not? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I'm not surprised, and it's the I've been in Dota for like ten years now, and it's becoming a common dialogue that uh, compared to all the other competitive games, there's way more cross pollination. If you play Counter Strike, you probably play some of these other FPS games. Dota is just like in this little island; it's off by itself, and you can even see it with esports orgs like you know G2 and uh, Hundred Thieves and all these like giant TSM, all these giant orgs. None of them have Dota teams. It's just EG and Liquid, and the only reason they have Dota teams is because they've been in Dota for fucking two decades. They're, they're grandfathered in. They, they've got a big sunk cost. None of these they orgs... They kind of have to at that point. Yeah, even, like, <laughs> I, I've pitched to some of them before, and usually their response is like, oh, Dota. Yeah, that's that weird game where, like, the players just get paid directly and are all millionaires and have all the power, right? It's like, uh, yeah, kind of. That's not an unfair assessment of the international and, and the landscape. And most of them just go, yeah, we can't run our business model there, so we don't really know what to do. So, slash shrug, we'll see you later. <laughs> and over time, it feels like Dota has be, like, become even more. It's like we're drifting further from the coast, you know? Um, yeah. And it's I, like I've, I've noticed um, 
like stuff about the prize pools in Dota and like how popular it is, but I've never ever I don't even think I've seen a game of Dota. Like I I I don't know any streamers, any teams, anything like that, but apparently there's all these people making all this money. And it's <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's like hearing about people who got rich off Bitcoin like <laughs> the first time and it's like how did you know about Bitcoin before? <laughs> that is such a dank analogy that's so yeah i mean dumb luck i was stupid enough to be playing warcraft 3 when i was in middle school and just had access to to dota 1 and somehow got weirdly addicted to that game i i I don't know how else to describe it um and there are a lot of great things about dota like um one of the reasons I work in Dota, I have a degree in business as well, and it's just so open. You know, I could start my business in Dota because it's a sandbox. It's a platform. It's a, yeah, sure, here are the replays, here are the games, cast them if you want, do whatever the fuck you want. We don't give a shit. Whereas in League of Legends, like, at, I think PAX 2014 or 2015, I was at the League of Legends after party, and this was when I was working at Beyond the Summit, full-time Dota 2 commentator, and this rioter comes up to me and goes... Oh my God, you're Zayori. You work at Beyond the Summit. You're the Dota caster. And I was kind of looking around like, are you allowed to say that out loud, dude? We're at a League of Legends <laughs> party right now. It's like, bro, I fucking, I watch you like every, I fall asleep to you watching Chinese <laughs> Dota every night. You're like my lullaby, man. Like, all right, that's a weird compliment yeah. for a commentator, but I see where you're coming from. But he hit me immediately with the, well, why, why do you do Dota instead of League of Legends? You're here. Do you, do you play? Are you into League? I'm like, I mean, I played it. Actually, I wanted to be a League commentator before I got into Dota, but I, I didn't know how. He's like, what do you mean? Like, do you guys have publicly accessible replays? No. Okay, Dota does. Do you have an equivalent to Dota TV where I can just broadcast live tournament matches to practice my commentary? No. Okay, well, you tell me, Ryder, how do I break in to League of Legends casting as a professional unless I have an in with the old boys club? And he kind of looked around and was like, huh, I never really thought about it like that. Just like, (laughs) yeah, bro, sometimes the passion isn't enough. Having access to, like, just put something out there that that could resonate with people, it's a platform. You know, being able to do that was fundamentally the catalyst. At the beginning, I thought League of Legends would be the more popular game, but I just couldn't find a way to break into it. So... Dota does have a lot of really cool sandboxy things that are very entrepreneurial in nature, but it comes at a cost of lack of structure. You know, we don't have that same kind of LCS level of organization, let's call it. Right. There's not like some overarching like company or tournament organizer that like really yeah. paves the way. But it seems like at least there's dev support with some of those cool features. And yeah, a lot of AAA companies don't do that. Cough, cough. Overwatch, like <laughs> freedom is nice. Uh, yeah. I, I think over, historically I've definitely valued freedom, but what I'm bumbling to say, I still haven't found a, a great way to articulate it, but I'll so I'll just throw it out there. Go ahead, spectating these other communities. I feel like Riot and Blizzard do a tangibly better job of driving a narrative. Um, and God, this is shitty to say out loud, but when I came out as a cross-dresser, I was a little bit surprised at how few of my colleagues gave a shit about it. Like, hearing you talk about that tweet and how, like, Slasher and Pokimane and all of these, like, really legitimate, like, tier one, tier one influencers and content creators, like, appreciated what you're saying and were like, wow, I need to echo this message. This is huge. And not that I expected my colleagues, like everyone in Dota is going to retweet it. I'm going to be popular tomorrow. It's more like you have these colleagues that you're, you feel like you're really close with and you, you 
it, it's a scary day to put that out there, right? So it's like you're really it insecure. Is. You feel like it's just your rawest, most emotional self just out there for everyone to see and judge. And you're looking at that retweet count, and it's like, wow, I got one retweet from a verified account. I have like 30 professional Dota commentators in my network, and one of them engaged with it. And a lot of them, to be fair, did send me a personal message or a DM of like, hey, man, this is cool, or, you know, I, relatively supportive stuff. And it's like, I know that they support me on a one-to-one -one level, but when it comes to the public optics, I think Dota still has a lot of fear around that dialogue because there's no overlord voice that is saying like, hey, we're, we're for whatever equality. We're for trans rights. Like there's, mm -hmm. I think it's implied. I think it's assumed. I don't think Valve is like against anybody's rights or anything, right. but right. there's a difference between being silent and just one day saying, hey, we stand with you guys. Like that for whole sure. experience made me understand how much representation matters. Before that, personal experience i didn't i really didn't get it i didn't get why like and that's probably too, yeah. white guy bias right because i see myself <laughs> represented in everything in america but now i see it everywhere of just like holy shit having being able to see yourself in something that's bigger than you is such a ridiculously big motivating factor for life it's like it it's a fucking big deal so it it is it really like i was the same way i had no idea how much representation mattered i was just like why does everybody care about black panther like why is this such a big deal and then just like seeing little kids dress up as black panther for halloween and they're just like this is my superhero like yeah i i see myself in in this hero and like i can i can be more pretty much yeah or you can see what's possible and, and it's yeah. it, it's really inspirational and helpful to a lot of people who kind of lack that motivation or inspiration at any point yeah. And what really hit was after, like, let's say, like, 48 hours after I made my tweet, I, I you know, I've got like a, a couple hundred retweets or something, nothing too viral, but a staggering amount of DMs from people in the Dota community basically just being like, thank you. Finally, we have somebody that's fucking non binary on camera. Finally, we have somebody that isn't just, for lack of a better term, normal, you know, like, Right. I, I did not expect any kind of just like support that way of people being like, dude, this you just being out there means a lot to me. And that's helping me stay motivated to do the shit in my life and get over the struggles that I'm dealing with. That stuff is like really crazy emotional. And it it really hits like I, it just it completely changed my perspective on that stuff. Yeah, it's it's really helpful because it's like reciprocal. Like I love hearing stuff like that. I love hearing that everything I do is worth it and that like people get inspired by me just doing what i do yeah and it's nice that that they can like see themselves in me or go and pursue other things like there's people who were nervous about streaming and then they saw me and they're like i can do that and they they've started their own streams because they're nervous about their voice or their appearance yeah. or what people will call them and they just see me tough it out and they're like i can do that too yeah, the, so that's 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 great to see. Yeah, the um, yeah. Sorry, no real question there. <laughs> now yeah. I'm just speaking about my own anecdotes. Um, that's fine. Um, God, I had a question. I just lost it as well. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> weird, say, sort of saying out loud that like I expected more people to care about this, but then also being able to calibrate it with like I also see why people like. There's a part of me that wishes people didn't care about it. That it was so normalized of like 
coming out isn't such a big thing because it's not like wow it's just like yeah we're all we're all unique individuals that have our own take on expression and who we are and all that kind of stuff um I in, I in some ways I want it to be the least interesting thing about me. You know, I want people to talk about the things that I'm saying, my analysis of the game, the calls I'm yeah. making, not just looking yeah. at my rack. <laughs> right. Sometimes I'm like, like I I like being like a trans representative, but sometimes I just want to be like a streamer. You know, like like I've I've no issue with it being like being vocal about who I am, but like we don't always need to bring it up. Yes, exactly. Sometimes I just want to play games. Well, and not get harassed about it. I mean, isn't that the, I mean, one of the first questions I had in my notes was like, are you tired of talking about being transgender? Because I no. think there's a line of representation versus tokenism, right? And it's a really right. fine line that I think sometimes gets crossed almost accidentally. Right. Um, I'm not tired. I'm always happy to answer <laughs> questions or like no questions too far for me, typically. Um, unless it's malicious, unless you can tell like, Right. Do you have a dick or whatever? You know, like what trolls ask or whoever. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you probably could have worded that better if you genuinely wanted to know. Like, if you, if you were more informed, you would have approached that differently. Yeah. But, I mean, I'll answer whatever with, and give them my experiences because it's all I can really share mm -hmm. and like be certain about. But I've I've no issues with being a representative or being visible or anything like that. Yeah, and it looks like we're seeing a, a live example of one of Dota's finest here, this Ivo Dota 2 person in chat that spends most of this podcast trying to understand why I wear dresses all the time instead of, you know, sometimes wearing man's clothes, sometimes wearing women's clothes. And the TLDR answer, bud, is because I don't fucking feel like it. There's really nothing deeper to it than that. I like the way I look like this. You don't have to like the way I look like this. It's not about you, dog. It's about me. That's 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 the answer. There's really no more to it than that. Um, but it is weird when you're a commentator because people do have certain expectations. And it is funny to see the dialogue of, oh, that's unprofessional. It's like, OK, but if a female, a biological female host was wearing this outfit, would you comment at all? Uh, that's when you know the dialogue gets kind of interesting, yeah. I think. If, if it's if it, yeah, if anybody else could wear it and it wouldn't be an issue, then it should be <laughs> an issue for you. You know, yeah. it's not like you're wearing nothing and commentating that'd be completely different yeah <laughs> yeah at, at least you have clothes on you know that's the first step that's true that makes twitch happy putting um, on clothes speaking of twitch by the way how do you feel like do you feel like twitch is doing a, a good job in general like as a streamer do you feel like they've got your your best interest at heart do you ever worry about like an unfair ban from trolls like reporting your channel or somebody clipping something out of context or something yeah sometimes just like stuff on twitch is automated so like that's always scary um like DM dmca obviously just like if i hop in a car in war zone and music starts playing is that going to get me banned um i worry about stuff like that um i don't i don't think i would ever do anything like clipped out of context but the whole thing is out of context um yeah i feel like i could easily refute some of the things like that um like if i'm talking about transitioning and i say like not vulgar stuff, but I'm just not candid. dancing around the subject. Yeah, yeah I'm direct. being candid and direct, and like it sounds like I'm talking about something awful. Then I feel like I could talk. Like it, it, I guess it's harder because I'm not a partner, and you have more like. Oh, you're not partner yet? No, I'm still an affiliate. Oh, are, um, you, you've got to be close to the thresholds now, no? Um, not at the moment. Like I'm closer than I've ever been, but 
I guess I've got some time. That's like I, my what what is the minimum requirement for partnership? I guess I don't even know. It's um you need to stream on 12 unique days in a 30-day period and a certain number of hours stream too, but the big one is like a 70 75 viewer average. Oh. So like in the in the first couple streams, I probably could have got that. Like I could have just stopped streaming and gotten gotten partnered, but I didn't want to stop streaming. Like I I like streaming, so I just you know, it's just the way like the averages worked out that I didn't get it, but it's it'll happen eventually, I'm sure. So it, it's not a, it's not a huge deal, deal to me. But one of the things is like you get better support as a partner or you get a more direct line to support. Yeah. Or so, at least in the past, Twitch has right. changed so much since the Amazon buyout and also just so many more people using the platform. It's fundamentally changed their their ability to give support to smaller smaller partners. I'm not envious of their of their their challenge there. And I feel right. a little. I mean, I was on Justin TV before it was Twitch, so I kind of was, and I was doing StarCraft stuff, so I got grandfathered in. Like when Twitch launched, I was given a partner to count because I had a connection. Nice. So I I there were no metrics back then. It was it was old boys club shit. Just like oh, I know you from that event. Yeah, there you go. Green light. You do content. You get a check mark. <laughs> yeah, and then you know I started Moon Duck, and then we have a, a stream team now. So it's it's just a, a slightly different. Um, I'm always curious to hear from people that that like work their way up from the bottom because it's such a different process of like understanding the Twitch beast and the the Twitch me uh, metrics. Yeah, so, I I usually have like thirty to forty viewers right now, and it's just like a really nice like small intimate community. I know pretty much everyone in chat. Mm -hmm. If somebody new pops up, I know, and I'm cautious of them. Also, yeah, I'm like, I'm watching what you say, and so are all the mods. So be careful. But you're <laughs> welcome here. You're always welcome to. It's it's a very relaxed stream. I don't scream. I'm not XQC. Uh, we just kind of talk about whatever and hang out. My and streams start whatever that game. way, and then I start playing games and slowly deteriorate into more anger. If I lose five Dota games in a row, I'm pretty fucking grumpy by the end of that right. broadcast. I'm I'm embarrassed to have a, a couple ragey days, but you know, it's just that's how games go. That's why we keep coming yeah. back. As I said, I, if you didn't I, care, I you wouldn't tilt. get mad, right? Yeah. I don't really tilt anymore. I'll just like switch games. I'm, I'm like, so jealous. Yeah, maybe I used to. I used to get so angry and be so toxic, but now I just like maybe it's not an Overwatch day. Maybe I just I, I'll play like Valorant or something. Are you a poker player? No, I play a little chess. Ah, okay. I'm garbage at that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ch chess is all the rage these days. Since lockdown yeah. started, we started doing uh, in my Discord like a, it's like a community home game poker. It's like once a month we do a poker night. It's been been fun just trying to find ways to break up the norm of everybody stuck in lockdown it's uh, right. it's getting tough man it's <laughs> i feel bad for for all the folks that are stuck just with actually nothing to do like it's staggering the amount of subs i have that are like yeah i'm getting paid by salary to just sit at home and i mean it could be worse but it also really fucking sucks i have nothing to do i've been at home for a year now i i'm tired of playing games i never thought i'd say this but Let's do something. I, I just want to like, go something. outside. Yeah. Like, you know, I never went outside. I was never social, but now I'm like, I just want to hang out with like friends. That, yeah. that would be nice. Yeah, I definitely, definitely took it for granted uh, before. Right. Um, oh, I remember what, what I, I lost my train of thought earlier. I wanted to ask you about um, voice profile stuff because I remember uh, maybe a couple months ago or a year ago, there was some, I don't know if it had to do with the Twitch 
committee that they put together to try to redo the guidelines or if it was just part of that dialogue. But there was mm -hmm. somebody that talked about uh, voice profiles and how games that require a microphone to be able to really play at a competitive edge are kind of by default rough games for people that have a voice profile that they don't like. And I think right. the analysis of whatever the thing I read was that like maybe we should have alternatives to using voice chat in games. And then there was a big, I think Richard Lewis did a whole piece about it. And, you know, a backlash of like, all right, we can't take that's we're like regressing games for your feelings, that kind of thing. Thoughts mm -hmm. about that in, in general? Cause I've definitely, when I was first, before I, you know, I didn't know what I was, right? I kind of thought I was trans and then talked to a bunch of people and realized, okay, maybe I'm just a cross-dresser or whatever. One of the things I was really caught up on is like, if I ever wanted to transition, I don't know how I would do that with my voice, A, because I have a really deep voice that I've smoked way too much and it's just, <laughs> it's not getting any higher anytime soon. But also I'm a I'm a play-by-play -play commentator. So like, I don't really want my voice to change, right? It's right. part of my identity is my... I wouldn't call it iconic, but people recognize it. In a Dota game right. on a Smurf account, if I talk on the mic 50% of the time, one person in the game will say, wait, I recognize that voice. Have I heard you before? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I, I guess I don't know as much. Does HRT actually change your voice? Is, is voice changing? Some, is that like a learned skill? Is it like a muscle? So not um, feminizing hormones. Um, estrogen doesn't make your voice higher, but testosterone makes your voice lower so people oh. taking testosterone to transition their voice their vocal cords will get thicker and their voice will get deeper as a result of that but it doesn't go the other way around so you would have to ah. train your voice through like exercises and there's countless tutorials and stuff like that i get really discouraged trying to do that so i i try for a little bit and then i'm just like whatever you know i'll just does it ever become natural voice. or is it something that you always you yeah eventually it just becomes your voice like it, really it's like it's like you become aware of the muscles you that you use to speak and it just becomes your natural state of speaking eventually hmm. um i'm practice makes that perfect mark. practice yeah. makes perfect exactly I um see. so there's i mean if you ever wanted to do something like that even for just like voice acting work there's there's plenty of tutorials on it. It's just it takes a very long time. It'll so it's, probably take years for it to become straight up natural. Is it kind of similar to like learning an accent? It, it's just yeah. There's yeah. there's tips and tricks. You build the muscles, and then eventually you become more comfortable with it. Oh, mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's like that. But um, in regards to like voice comms, I used to, I used to come a lot. I used to be like the most vocal person in chat, and now I don't talk to randoms because, what I think I'm just like a snowflake at this point. <laughs> um, I'm like, if somebody calls me sir, I'll be upset for the rest of the game. So I just don't talk anymore. Oh. I'll, I'll talk to like my teammates in Discord, and it's it's whatever, you know. I, like I'll, I'll type. I have no problem typing. Mm -hmm. But either either one of one of two outcomes happen if I talk. I get called things I don't want to get called, or I have to explain to everybody, don't call me, don't call me these things. And two scenarios happen from that. They tease me or it's just awkward you yeah. know and yeah. i don't want to come out to strangers every time i play a game so i just i don't come sometimes i don't even like join voice like in overwatch i don't i can kind of i'm at that point of playing that game i can kind of see what's going on right i don't really need to hear comms because typically people are just toxic so i use it as like a way to avoid toxicity but i just i don't come to strangers because it's like 
the one thing I'm insecure about, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. But like when you when you see me talking, it's like a little better. But if you just hear my voice, you think it's a guy, and I understand that, and I'm not like. It sucks though. I know what you mean. Where it, yeah. you just want to fucking play games, not have right. every every public match be a goddamn interview of your voice right. profile. <laughs> it, it's like super tiresome. And I think that's mm -hmm. that's one of the things that um, I think is slowly changing in Dota. But anytime I see like if there's a, a a someone that sounds like a girl using voice comms in my Dota match, and somebody on my team's being obnoxious, I think. Like, obviously, just flaming them for their gender is, like, the, the worst of the worst, right? But right. there's all this behavior in the middle where I think for a long time there's been these younger Dota fans in, in public games that don't realize how toxic they're being by just being, like, really shitty lowbrow trolls. It's, like, commenting on the nature of somebody being a girl. It's, it's like, you're adding to this, can't we just fucking play the game and hang out? You know, you're... you're right singling them out for who they are whether it's their gender the color of their skin or their accent or whatever it is you're dwelling on it you're you're making them you're you're breaking their immersion from the game and making them remember that they are whatever they are and for some people maybe that's that's fine but for other people that's a reminder of like yeah man i'm fucking working on it thanks i i got it yeah I, you know yeah um yeah i don't know if there's a good solution there but that's that's so yeah, that sucks if, if i did if i did voice train so I have, I have two options. I could just keep talking like this and like I would get upset or if I had what I would consider like a cis passing voice, mm -hmm. like a very feminine voice, I would just get harassed for different reasons. Like I would <laughs> yeah. get called different names. And <laughs> that's true. That's, that could be no better and it wouldn't have been worth it in the end. So <sighs> it's it's a really tricky subject. I just try to type yeah. and use like like command wheels at this point, like mm -hmm. group up with me in Overwatch or like I need healing. And there's like thank you, and I just use that stuff and hope for the best. I mean, those um, were a big I, addition I to those those kind of games. Yeah. Dota has that now too, and it's it's also great for just cross language. Like if you set your Dota client to Spanish, and I use the chat wheel, it'll translate the go back to whatever your native oh, okay. tongue is. So it's yeah. a really great tool for communicating with people that don't speak the same English, but saying you know basic commands in the game. And it's also a great efficiency tool for people that. I mean, we're talking about voice profile, but there's also people that just like can't afford a microphone, right? So like, yeah, it, there, there's a lot of layers of discrimination, and having a level playing field is a really nice thing. And I think that's that's where I like that dialogue going. Of all right, we're not going to get rid of voice comms because they're a pretty integral part of the, of competitive gaming, but how can we build tools that help? Um, make it less of a barrier for people that can't use voice comms kind of reminds me of colorblindness a little bit i am one of the minority that is colorblind and it's a weird dialogue because i struggle with some colors as an observer in dota there is a colorblind mode but if i turn on colorblind mode it drives everyone crazy the entire <laughs> chat is just like why is everything green instead of red and blue um and i mean it's single percentage of people are colorblind so it is a weird we're asking 90 percent to sacrifice their norm so that i can have a slightly better experience it's neither of those are good options what i'd rather is that we just design the game from a starting point that's a little more colorblind friendly so we don't have to have these jarring modes then we don't have to worry about it and the game's just more accessible for everyone right we can use a design principle that just makes it a more inclusive platform out of the gate to me, that's the dream if it can be achieved. Again, it's a big ask. You know, is it? Yeah. Everything costs money. Is it worth it for developers to put that time in? Uh, that's a, a different discussion. But I think proactive is often better than reactive. <laughs> right. I there's um, 
there's stuff like in Fortnite too. Like they have um stuff for people who are hard of hearing, like like there's arrows that point oh. to where there are footsteps. I I believe I think that might just be on mobile, but I haven't played Fortnite in a while. So yeah, like, me neither. <laughs> stuff like that too. Like I never considered what playing a game would be like if I was deaf or hard of hearing. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't really know how you balance how you would balance a feature like that. Like there's <sighs> yeah. there's people who would abuse that. Like if it's a literal arrow pointing to footsteps. Mm-hmm. But it's also really helpful for those that need it. So where like where's the balance, you know? Yeah. I mean, oh man, I never thought about that. So like specific like Counter Strike is a game I think of that like sound is every Valorant, you know, sound is everything. Yeah. yeah. And playing that game without sound, you are at such a crazy disadvantage relative to everyone else. But mm-hmm. how can you build tools that don't take away from the skill cap of the game? You know, if there's just a pop-up that says, warning, intruder near you on the right. left side, you know, that kind of takes away some of the competitive spirit. Yeah, it's, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't pretend to have all the answers. I my, yeah. my starting point in the ask is like, let's just consider some of these inclusive features when we're developing the foundation of these games where we're maybe not going to get it perfect, but the first step is making an effort. That's, that's kind of my for sure. <laughs> centrist yeah. take, I guess. <laughs> At least you tried in the end. Like if, if it leads to one more person playing your game, who wouldn't have at least that they're there and yeah. then you can figure out the rest later. Yeah, definitely. Um, wow. I can't believe you're not partnered yet. That's, that's kind of blowing yeah. my mind. So how are you we'll doing? How are you doing financially though? If you're, if you're an affiliate, do you get some money from subs? I forget what the, yeah. how um, that you works. Two fifty, I think. Um, oh, okay. So you, so, so affiliate's yeah, um, like partner light where you get to start monetizing, yeah. but you don't have like the full monetization yeah. that, features. That's when you get like your sub button and your emotes. Uh, okay. Um, All right. Affiliate. I forget what, like, you have to stream for X amount of days, X amount of hours, and you didn't. You need an average viewership of three over a thirty-day period. Okay. So like, starting streamers, like, you just need a couple people to watch you, and then it just gets you in the door, pretty much. I see. Yeah. But, I mean, um, the hardest part yeah, for a new streamer is getting those those first couple viewers. Like, who right. is that? Literally, the first person that you don't know that clicks on your stream. That's a it's, big moment. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's it's scary. Honestly, it's just like, what? How did you find me? Yeah. Well, and it's it's wild because you know I've been in esports for so long. Naturally, people ask me for like general advice, like, hey, how do I how do I do this on my stream, or how do I get an audience here, or how do I start building? Like, what's the secret? It's like I have no idea. The things that worked for me six years ago absolutely will not work for you right now. I mean, when I was starting on Justin TV, having a 720p stream or a 1080p stream was huge. That was like, wow, this is an HD stream. People will click on that just because it doesn't look like potato quality relative to to all the other streams out there. Um, That's obviously not the case anymore, right? Right. <laughs> now being yeah. 1080p is the fucking standard if you're 720 people won't click on it because it's low quality yeah, the production quality is just like yeah out, like out the door like people even youtube videos like i i can't even imagine like i'm trying to get into youtube but people Ugh. are just so much better like yeah they, they, they'll just they have it down to a science like a 12 minute video with a thumbnail perfectly search engine optimized and it's like yeah the, they're just so far ahead. How do you catch up? Yeah, I mean, that's, I've but, been yeah. in the podcast world. I've been trying to figure out how to market this long form content on YouTube, and it's it's slow going, but I'm slowly getting it. But I, I agree with you. It's 
these algorithms are weird. It seems like an uphill battle until that first one when you hit the algorithm and you go, oh, oh, so that's what we're really doing here. Okay, now I get it. Now we're just throwing darts to get these viral videos. That's how YouTube works. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's totally um, it's it's tough. Yeah, um, going going viral is it can happen at any time, and it's never anything that you expect to go viral. Like, yeah. I've never once sent a tweet, and I'm like yeah this is this is gonna blow up you know it's just the weirdest content gets picked up and then that's what you're known for uh yeah. <laughs> everyone's like you're yes. the e-girl now and i'm like yeah <laughs> i know yeah i know that all too well i mean it wouldn't right. be viral if you could control it i guess so that's right. that's sort of caked into the definition but yeah it is it is scary i think that's something young streamers don't appreciate like when the sniff sniff thing happened to me I was still a pretty small time commentator, like on the verge of being amateur esports commentator, trying to become full time professional esports commentator. And I, in my head at that point, it's like, I just want somebody to give a shit about me. I just want eyeballs. I just want clicks. Like, I just want people to care. Like, in my head, mm -hmm. going viral for anything is good. We'll figure it out later. I just need the attention. And then you go viral for the wrong reasons and you realize, oh, this is um, way worse than I thought it would be. Oh, this it's is backfiring. <laughs> it won't stop. My my inbox is just blowing up with hateful messages. Please leave me alone. Um, it's it's like a really big big power that you're wielding by turning on all this equipment in your your bedroom or your basement and just letting it go. There there's a certain in, in the real world, with all this broadcast equipment, there's a lot of quality control and a lot of checks that are in place there to make sure that things like that don't happen, that your camera doesn't just get left on broadcasting right. out to the world. I mean, when, when my sniff sniff thing happened, there was like a gap. So I was broadcasting, thought I finished the stream, got up, left, and then, you know, I was getting prepared to shower and then walked back on camera. So, like, how many people were actually watching my stream when that happened? I probably only had 10 viewers when we were streaming the content. So, like, how many people were watching the empty chair? It's crazy to me to think that it literally might have been, like, one person that happened to have the stream open that just went, what the fuck am I watching, <laughs> was smart enough to clip it, and then that one person yeah. was the difference maker between that video just being another forgotten about VOD in the Twitch archive that nobody clicks on, and my vo most viral content piece of the last 10 years of my life. Yeah. That's, it, that's nuts. <laughs> that's insane to think about. All, yeah. All from like a misclick, like one anything misclick. can change. One misclick can change yeah. it all. Yeah. So it's, it's scary out there for sure. Uh, the, the wild west, I, I think, yeah. yeah. Pat ourselves both on the great. back for the uh, riding on the cutting edge here, my friend. Right. Um, I think that's most of the stuff I, I had that uh, at least planned I wanted to chat about. Anything else uh, you want to get off your chest? Anything irking you in the gaming industry you want to get out there? Not at the moment. Well, that's good. I, I, I think I got it. I think I got it all out. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. So are, are you moving away from the, the Schmoople name? I, I noticed like one of the first things you said, you could just call me Gwen. Is Schmoople a, a relic of the past? Are you working on a, a full Gwen rebrand or are they kind of moving I in just, tandem? I, I just like my name, you know? I gotcha. <laughs> you know, I, 
like I picked it for a reason. I just I just like getting called it. Perfect. I love it. Well, very good. Schmoople seems a little formal. So like (laughs) anybody can call me Gwen, you know. Uh, Miss Schmoople. Got it. Yeah. Um, Very good. Well, folks, make sure you give her a follow. Uh, I believe it's Schmoople Overwatch everywhere. No C. S-H-M. Don't make the same mistake I did. But find her on Twitter. Find her on Twitch. Give her a follow. She's streaming like crazy. Um, This was an an absolute pleasure. I appreciate you coming on and uh, engaging. Thank you for having me more candid discussion. I am I am firmly in this camp of that sometimes it's uncomfortable, sometimes it's hard, but the only way we can increase awareness, really improve the state of affairs for our gaming community at large and make it more inclusive is more representation, more dialogue, teaching more people that you, you can you can be tough, you can develop this muscle to let some of the troll stuff deflect off instead of really sink in deep. Uh, and I think conversations like this are, are the only way that we can pave the path for the future. So sincerely, I thank you so much for everything you're doing and being so public. You're, you're doing fighting the good fight. And uh, I hope it keeps going well for you. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Make sure you follow the podcast everywhere. YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. You can find it. Zayori Plus One. She's out there.